camera. Action, folks. <laughs> Murray throws. Touchdown, Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins. Quarterback draw, Murray, can he get there? Touchdown, Hi there. Well, it's been a few weeks since the Cardinals season properly ended. And, you know, there's been an entire playoff slate and a Super Bowl in between all our previous episodes. So, who really cares about that crap? We have Cardinals news and our end-of-season British Bitcoin Breakdown Awards to do in this episode. So, yeah. Even that crap needs to be talked about. <laughs> As always, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Callum for episode 161 of the British Birdland Breakdown. Hi, Tom. Um, yeah, we've been putting it off for a while, uh, talking about the end of this season, but I guess we've got to get around to it at some point. And um, obviously, we've got some news to talk about as well, so it seems like the uh, the right time to get started. Well, yeah, I mean, the original idea was, you know, let's sort of like try and make it into one episode but obviously the Cardinals decided to take their time in hiring a new head coach and so the episode had to wait until that was done otherwise you know we'd have had like two really short episodes instead of like this one feature length episode I would say (laughs) yeah a good sort of send off to that season because um yeah boy that season needs to be sent off just file it away in the cabinet with games we never want to talk about. You know, this could yeah. be a whole season we don't want to talk about ever again. Oh, it's so dreadful. Um, I mean, you know, I I don't want to kid myself into thinking that we're in for, you know, something being magically better next season, but um, things are all changing in the Cardinals camp. Obviously, mm-hmm. last time out we covered that uh, Cliff Kingsbury was gone and so was Steve Keim. Um, and you know, we were just waiting to hear about who was going to be replacing each of them, and I think uh, I think it's safe to say that both the candidates that we ended up with are people that we certainly weren't talking about at the start of January. No, exactly. I mean, obviously, like with the GM search, it's not like we we really know many people who are capable of that role outside of maybe Adrian Wilson, Quentin Harris, you know, the in-house candidates. Yeah. I'm I'm very glad we didn't go for an in-house candidate to be honest given the um the state that the organization's in at the moment I think you need something radical and and outside. Yeah, so the Cardinals decided to go and hire a bold man, you know, because the last bold man worked really really well. Well, it's been such a long time since we've had anyone with hair in that role that I feel like, you know, that that's just too much change. Yeah, I was going to say we've got to keep some things yeah, as everything stays the same, so it have to be different, or whatever that saying is. I do I'm feel sure like you have to tell the listeners what the title that you've come up with for this section in our document is. I mean, you know, had we had a bald head coach as well, you know, it would have been the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was too good to, like, just forget about it. So I've gone for <laughs> bald so hard, Arizona Cardinals want to hire me. <laughs> So good. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, and uh did we even say his name? It's it's Monty Ossenfort that the Cardinals have brought in for this role. Um brought him over from the Tennessee Titans where he was director of player personnel. 
Yeah, I mean, he's another one of those guys who've pretty much worked their way up through the rankings through different organisations. So he began as a, I think he was a, like an intern with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he was like a personal assistant to somebody, wasn't he? No, I think that was when he went a bit higher up. So he started was off with the okay. Vikings, then he went to the Texans, then he went to the Patriots, then back to the Texans, then back to the Patriots, then into the Titans, and out to the Cardinals. Yeah, well, you know, he's. I, I think anybody who's, um, you know, moving up consistently like that should hopefully have some chops. And like, I, I welcome or like the fact that they've he's been through like a a variety of different uh, organizations. You know, there's there's something really good about that. And sort of seeing how all of those different organizations operate and maybe a few lessons about what works and what doesn't between those. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want him to learn a bit more from like the pages and probably say the text and so, let's be honest. Well, yeah, but there's also like learning what doesn't work, right? Yeah, so basically everything the Houston Texans have ever tried. Yeah, pretty much. Besides um, drafting JJ Watt, obviously. Yeah, well, of course, but you know, um, I'm not sure whether he was around in at the Texans in that year. Um, but no, I think he might have been at the Patriots that year. But yeah, but they've always drafted pretty well. So yeah, so he's been um, personal assistant, scouting assistant, college scout, area scout, national scout, director of college scouting. So let's say he's a scout at heart. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's pretty good for um, a draft, you know. Like if he's if he's uh, acquainted with scouting and scouting reports, then hopefully when we see his first chops, which will essentially be in who he decides to draft this year, um, you know, hopefully that's something to trust, something you know, quite exciting. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Steve Kahn did work his way up through the organization as well. You know, like started off as a scout and then got all these different roles here and there. So, yeah, but he'd also been through just the Cardinals, really, hadn't he? Yeah, he was only with the Cardinals. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, it makes sense to bring someone outside of the organization, considering, you know, yeah. how many years you've had Kahn here for. And, like, that really didn't work out that well. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, on top of that, like, just literally how fresh he is compared to, to Steve Kime, right? Because Kime was, you know, he was with the organization for 20 years, but he was only actively scouting, let's say, 10, 12 years ago now, um, which is a long time in the NFL, right? Like, that's a, uh, that's, that's a, a time when things have changed quite dramatically. So, like, last time he was out, actively scouting at college games the the game was different um whereas for monte he's been out there a lot more recently you know out there himself so i'm hoping that that translates to uh some good knowledge of of college football who's out there where the game's going you know where what strengths and weaknesses lie and, and that sort of thing and you know obviously the cardinals have an awful lot of need but i'm just hoping for a few more exciting draft picks, let's say, than Steve Kime got away with. Well, not just exciting ones. You know, we just want ones who will actually play and actually contribute to the team. That's the key, isn't it, really? I mean, especially at number three this year, right? Like, you you need to have somebody um, who's maybe not like an every snap starter, but I think at number three, you need somebody who's making an immediate impact. Yeah, I mean, 
number three pick, you definitely got to get your chance to get maybe like one of the best like blue chip athletes in the league in the yeah. entire draft. So you know, Big you just time, best yeah. not miss on that. And that's you know, like a what a what a way to like start making your mark your mark as a head coach and like define where you want the team to go right than than having a really high nice draft pick in let's face it what is a full rebuild year i think we're well outside the point of it being uh you know uh a refurbishment year or a retooling year we're we're into rebuild now like after that disaster that last year well i mean you do see odds for the cardinals to win the super bowl at like 200 to one so you know maybe I mean, that's what quick driver, just right? optimistic yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, like, it would be incredible. Like, I would be so happy to see the Cardinals win the Super Bowl, but to see the Cardinals win the Super Bowl and also have a grand in my pocket from it, you know, I'll take that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe you just put money on throughout the whole season that, you know, maybe the odds get short, you know, if they do improve a bit more, then yeah. everyone expects them to, but, you know, still worth a few quid here and there, but, you know, maybe it's not I mean, a Super I, Bowl year, but, you know. Yeah, Hopefully, it's like I, the start of something new. My hope, you know, is just to see. We so we came out of the Josh Rosen year with a slightly worse record than than the one we had this year, um, and we had a high high draft pick, and we're able to put a new head coach in, get a new exciting athlete, and we went from you know a dreadful year to a. Uh, just under winning percentage year so i know it can be done you know um it's just you know whether or not they can they can make anything you know reasonable happen especially with uh kyler now being expected to be out for up to the first half of the season i mean it's hard to say with kyler isn't it because like we've seen the videos this past week of him like mm, yeah six weeks post-surgery and he's already like pushing himself on an exercise bike yeah, so, it looks like tough work though, and and um, the scars he was showing off are pretty gnarly too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he also showed his face at you know like Super Bowl parties and also at the unveiling of the new head coach. So yeah, that's that's always yeah, it's good to see like he's not you know he's up and about and and at least in Arizona a fair whack of the time, which is good. Yes, got to say, people say that Kyler Murray doesn't work out in the off-season, but here he is, off-season, working out. Yeah, every year. Every year there's footage of him working out in the off-season, and every year people say he doesn't work out in the off-season. But, you know, um, what do I know? What do people on the internet know either, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, no, I think, um, yeah, we're, we're uh, back at it. Uh, as, as you said, um, new GM time to to get going and um i mean it's it's hard to say like what impact monty austin fork is going to have and and what his style is going to be but i'm just happy to see change and commitment to change yeah i mean he impressed in his introductory press conference you know he said all the right sort of things that you know we want him to say but yeah. now he has to deliver them doesn't he and put a worthwhile product on the field yeah very much so and you know it's it's not going to be easy right like he's definitely inherited a bit of a a mess right like a a squad with a lot of um guys retiring like our uh you know one of the few bright spots on the team last year jj watt obviously retiring we covered that previously um we've got a few 
big names get going into free agency who'll need contracts renegotiated and I, I think um you know that could be quite expensive and we've got a lot of expensive veterans on the team as well uh and a, a quarterback who's not going to be ready for the start of the season that's it's a lot of challenges for a new um GM to be coming into, and particularly a new head coach as well. Yeah, and I mean, it did seem to be a job too far for one candidate, apparently, who was offered the job but decided to turn it down and stay where he was. That's the guy from the, the Bears or something, right? Yeah, I think he was from the Bears. I can't remember his name properly, but, you know, he isn't our GM, so really, do we care about this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like... ulti- ultimately, we've got Austin Fort. Um, I think it'll be. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to seeing what he, what he does, and um, I think it's. I I was really expecting the um, new GM and the new head coach to be sort of decided on almost back to back, but uh, you know they they announced um, they announced Monte back in like the second week of January or the third week of January or something like that, and we've had to wait until post-Super Bowl to find out who our new head coach is going to be. I mean, there was a reason for that. It was the fact that, obviously, they did move on. He did hire the... Well, he interviewed and hired the GM first because, obviously, we didn't have one. Yeah. But then he missed out on the chance to interview anyone who, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles ended up in the Super Bowl, didn't he? So we had to wait until after that before they could interview anyone from the Eagles, which happened to be the guy they wanted all along. Yeah, um, and so, uh, yeah, with all of that, you know, with, with uh, Monty Austin Fort's blessing, presumably, they decided to hire uh, Jonathan Gannon, who was apparently, after the Super Bowl loss, told to stay behind in the stadium to talk to the Arizona Cardinals. Or at least stay in Arizona, not... Probably not in the stadium because, you know, I don't think you'd want to be there, you know, reliving the disappointment of losing a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but, well, yeah, at the very least, told to, to or asked to stay behind and, and talk to the Cardinals. And, yeah, got themselves a new head coach announced just the day after or two days after the Super Bowl. Um, I think it was like the sort of, not the day after, because obviously the day after they interviewed him for the first time. Yeah. The day I, after I, that. I think it was so the Monday they interviewed yeah. him. The Tuesday they had discussions with him, and then I think and it was Wednesday they said they were hiring him. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, he's got a, a plan that suits um Monte and it suits the organization as they are. Well, I mean, you do have a sort of link already together because we were saying that one of the guys on Monte's list. Happened to be Jonathan Gunner. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know, like a guy I mean, he'd want to work with should he be a GM. He'd want him as his head coach. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess uh, when would they have crossed paths? Because Jonathan Gannon's been mostly through the Eagles system, right? Yeah. I mean, it's NFL, isn't it? Everyone knows everyone, basically. Yeah, very true. And they all watch, you know, each other's film and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously they've met along the way somewhere and you know he's for you know he's a guy i want to hitch my wagon to or something along those lines you know it's like if i'm going to be the gm of a team i want this guy to be my head coach because of this and that you know yeah yeah um well i mean it's it's nice to see and and um 
again, you know, I, I think that my first instinct is still that I'm excited that there's change, you know, after, like, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury was uh, solely to blame for the mess that, that happened last year. Um, but, you know, clearly something was wrong in the experiment. And I think, you know, like, while you could spend forever tweaking things here and there, sometimes you need to just start from scratch. Yeah, and it's one of the things, like, you know, it's not like the Cardinals didn't have options for this new head coach. You know, they interviewed a short list of 10 people in total for the job. Some only yeah, got, like, so- a first interview, some got a second interview. But, you know, it just seemed like all along they might have been just waiting for the chance to interview Jonathan Gannon. Which, well, it would know. certainly it would certainly track that they at least wanted to make sure that they interviewed him before they made a decision, right? Like whether it was to go with him or to go with somebody that they'd already interviewed. But clearly, they were thinking that he was good enough and important and enough important enough that they wanted to delay the process of hiring a new head coach until they'd at least spoken to him, which they obviously couldn't do until after the Super Bowl. Yeah, and obviously it was the Eagles' fault, you know, for being in the playoffs for so long. You know, they could have just yeah. got themselves knocked out, so we could have had well, it a I lot mean, sooner. Yeah, it's a tricky situation when that when that happens, right? Because um, you've got the uh, you've got uh, less time then as a new head coach to be able to enact your policies, and like even just um, you know getting through to the Super Bowl itself just takes two weeks off of the clock. That you could have had, you know, that uh, Jonathan Gannon could have had coming in and like starting to uh, edit his pre-draft rankings as it as it would be uh, written on NFL Fantasy. But you know, start going through stuff, start thinking about who to keep, who to let go, all of that. But now he's, you know, now he's in there and presumably getting ready for it. And I mean, one of the names that seemed to crop up quite often was Sean Payton, the former. New Orleans Saints head coach, and he actually came into Arizona for a seven-hour interview, although it must have been he didn't like Michael Bidwell or the facilities, so he ended up going to Denver Broncos. Sorry, I'll wait till the dishes are finished being cleared. Um, Yeah, the... um... Sean Payton was one of the names that we uh, we were hearing from, you know, very, like, back in the day when when people were already kind of booing cliff kingsbury um we kind of that was the one of the favorite names to get tossed about then yeah but it was one of those things like the more it went on you know this whole process the less i actually wanted sean payton because he just didn't seem worth the hassle yeah i mean i think uh particularly the fact that the saints were asking for so much in return you know you almost wondered like anything that you could gain by bringing in somebody who's so experienced and and so successful um it's quite a lot of self-sabotage to give up like multiple you know early round picks and things like that um just for for one guy you know when there's plenty of other very talented um, managers out there like i mean there there's a a sort of fair list of guys who come in for big long interviews and i I kind of wonder if the Broncos have made a mistake in hiring him as well. I guess time will tell. I mean, the Broncos did you like waste their first round picks on getting Russell Wilson in, so you know now yeah. they've wasted more to hopefully fix him with Sean Payton as his head coach. But you know, at least it's not us who wasted. Well, not wasted, but you know, 
you've kept our number for the overall pick. You know, we've not given up any picks to get any of the guys we wanted. Yeah, exactly. And I think like that's kind of the way that you that you want it to be, right? Like, um, you know, we we don't just need a new head coach; we need new players on the team. So, you know, I think it would be different if, for some reason, you had a a really stacked team, but you needed a new head coach who was just ready to take them, then maybe it would be worth taking the sacrifice for, for someone like Sean Payton. But um yeah, the fact that that um he was he was being such a pain, so expensive and also he was just courting so many other teams that I wonder, you know, I was like, is there any do the Cardinals even have a chance here? They must be one of the most difficult prospects to take on as a head coach right now. Yeah, but I mean, like, the eventual head coach did say, you know, it's not often you go to a team where there's already a franchise quarterback in place. Yeah, that's very true, actually. You know, you want to, like, the Cardinals roster has its problems. It's old. Um, it's missing some key pieces. But uh, one of the single best key pieces is still there in so far as it's, they've got Kyler Murray sitting there. Granted, he is just sitting there at the moment rehabbing his ACL. But yeah. At least I kind of hope he's sitting there and rehabbing it very well. I'm sure he's he's doing fine, you know, with all the, the videos he's posting. But um, yeah, I, I other guys that were you know brought in for interview. Brian Flores was one of the the sort of front runners there as well. Um, Mike Kafka, um, none of them got it as well. Uh, did you say like Vance Joseph got an interview as well? Yeah, I think Vance Joseph was one of the first he actually interviewed for the job, but you know yeah. he didn't get the head coach job, and now he's no longer defensive coordinator because the Cardinals have granted him his leave. Yeah, I mean, I think you know it's it, this is exactly the same as the um, the uh, stuff we were saying about the the general manager as well, right? Which is, it, I think, it's probably really good to bring in fresh blood and and just you know really commit to the rebuild rather than bring in, you know, a nice new GM from outside the system, but then stick with a, a defensive coordinator who's been there for years. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Vance Joseph, you know, unlike some people, I don't actually hate the guy's guts. You know, he did what he could with what he had to work with last year. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, even the best defensive coordinators that struggle with, like, options three and four starting cornerback you know, due to injuries yeah. and you know the untimely death of Jeff Gladney. So, you know, he did what he could, but it's not like he was terrible as defensive coordinator. I've, no, you know, no, yeah. I, I, I think um yeah, it, it would have been it would have been a fine pick. Um but yeah, as I said, I think I think the fact that he was, you know, so internal um would have like worked against him in this situation. We need we need somebody to come in who's got no you know, previous ties to it, who's happy to kind of break things down from where they were and and rebuild it. Yeah, and we've got Jonathan Gannon here on a five-year deal. So, you know, hopefully he'll actually see out quite a lot of that five years because our previous coaches haven't. Yeah, well, indeed. I mean, I I, I hope we get to see the end of the uh, the end of his contract or, or at least like an extension to the contract or something like that. Um, because obviously, yeah, I mean... Uh, Cliff was left only one year into his big long deal that he had, uh, but at least five years feels like a sort of um, that feels like a nice trial period. You know, it feels like a, a 
thing where they're like, okay, we want to start seeing some good consistency by the end of this five years. Did you watch his introductory press conference or have you seen it? I, I've actually not. No, I watched him. Um, he, he sent out like some videos that he took of himself walking around the practice grounds and I've watched those, but I've not actually seen the press conference itself. You mean the one where he goes running to the weight room after being told Kyle isn't there? Yeah, I've seen a few ones like that. It's quite good. It's like, you know, a bit of excitement, right? Yeah, apparently he ran the wrong way down the corridor. So, <laughs> you know, like he turned left. Yeah. Apparently the first edit, he turned right, which obviously uh, isn't the weight room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite like funny sort of insider knowledge. But I guess, you know, he's, he's like brand new, right? He's probably not been in that building that much before, or at least exploring it. Yeah, and really cut it so you'd see it. You never actually yeah. noticed, but it was someone on Twitter I saw put that. So you know they tried to shame our head coach before he's even started. <laughs> doesn't know um, his way around the office. Doesn't know his way around the team. You know he's got head yeah, coach yeah. material, blah blah, and all that sort of stuff. Um. Well, what what are the press conference highlights then? What have I missed? I mean, you didn't miss much. Just so I mean, I'm not going to repeat what he said verbatim because you know he did go on for quite a lot. Well, yeah, there'll be a lot of questions to cover, right? Yeah. It, it was just like, you know, he seems to know what he wants from the team, you know. he He's got like a blueprint on what he wants players to be like. So hopefully he gets the time to actually put that into action. Yeah, definitely. And, and hopefully like the players buy into everything that he's got planned because if they don't, then, you know, they'll just be replaced with guys who will buy yeah. into his ideas. Well, you know, like uh, this is this is one of the real advantages of bringing in an outsider, right? Is that he and an outsider who's just taken a team to the Super Bowl. All right, they didn't win, um, but I think you know anybody who watched the game could be talking about uh, maybe they did deserve to win, or they didn't deserve to lose in the way they did, at least. Um, but you know, they've they've um, it, it's been a it's been a really uh, good thing to bring in a new guy because he's got automatic credibility, you know, like he, he's got every chance to lose that credibility quickly, but I shouldn't have a problem with, um, with the, uh, with the team. Like, you, you know, like if they brought in Vance Joseph, right. It's like all the team knows who he is. And if he tries to bring in his own thing, then, you know, maybe they wouldn't, uh, have like the full buy into that, but with a new guy. Yeah. I guess they, they've kind of got no choice, but to buy in at least until he gives them a reason not to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the same thing with anyone, like the fans, really, you know, until yeah. he gives them a reason not to support him, you know, why wouldn't you support the guy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sure I've like, I've seen people on, on Twitter and stuff already kind of denouncing him, to which I say, like, why? You know, give him a chance. Yeah, I mean, like, you have sites like Racing Soon and putting out, like, thingies, like articles saying, you know, he was the wrong choice, but it's like, you're not the one making the choice, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's as right a choice as uh, you need for this kind of situation, right? Like, it's something a bit different and, and get out there and um, you know, let's see let's see what he can do before we start passing judgment. Yeah, and obviously new head coach means new sort of staff throughout the team, you know, some will probably be retained, others will get released, you know, like we've seen with Vance Joseph, we've seen a few guys, a few, I think it was the defensive line coach, he's gone to Houston or Miami, yeah, one of the two. Yeah, again, it's just clear house, right? Why not? Especially with, you know, whole new management coming in, you, you 
like it's good to get them bringing in their own guys that are going to believe in whatever system they decide to put in. And, you know, you can see that already with the choice of um, defensive coordinator because they've already replaced Vance Joseph with the Eagles linebacker coach, Nick Rallis. Yeah, I mean, that was news that broke overnight tonight, actually. Yeah. Well, yesterday. I saw it this morning in the UK, so it's, you know, relatively fresh news. But I guess that makes sense, right? Like, if you've got... um if you've got an Eagles uh, defensive coordinator coming in, um, you know, him bringing in somebody he's really familiar with who, like, they, they trust each other, they believe in each other, you know, bringing in somebody like that to run the defense, I think, makes uh, brilliant sense. And, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, between the two of them, the Eagles defense has been pretty successful. I'm quite happy to, to see that that role filled that way. Have you seen how old the guy is, though? No. He's 29. Ah. Uh, I, You know, there was a while when I was like, okay, I can deal with the fact that a lot of the players are younger than me now, but um, when coaches start getting younger than me, I don't know, it feels a little bit, it's like a bit of crisis, right? He was actually also a teammate of Max Williams at college. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that'd be a fun, uh, like, conversation to see. It's like two totally different pathways through the NFL, right? Yeah. Add another tidbit. Do you do you like do you watch wrestling or anything like that? I watch or are wrestling. you aware of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of a wrestler called Madcap Moss? Yes, I have. Yeah. He is his brother. Is it really? Yeah, oh, this is pretty cool. So we can add that to like our list of um. We can add that to our list of uh, of um. Uh, Useless information, so, basically. Yeah, well, I was going to go with celebrity Cardinals fans because I'm yeah. guessing that they're, they're he's going to be a fan now as well, right? Apparently, was a fan beforehand. Yeah. So you know, um, oh, that's he's cool. up there with Blake Shelton and Frankie Muniz. How oh yeah, Mal- Malcolm in the Middle, absolutely. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I guess a very athletic family then, you know. College yeah. football, football coordinator, wrestler. I know, and now like twenty nine. I think he's the youngest coordinator in the NFL. Which you know, I would, I would be surprised. surprised you know, um, but yeah, again, like it, it's the same thing, right? It's uh, I'm very happy to give him a a shot until he gives us a reason not to. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, the only worry is, you know, if he if this guy does. You know, like puts together like the Cardinals defense being like one of the best in the entire league. You yeah. know, year or two down the line, we're losing him, aren't we, to a head coach position elsewhere? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the. I think that there are worse problems to have, right? Because like, even if you get somebody who's a really good defensive coordinator, that's so good that you then lose them quickly to a, a head coach position. Generally, that when they've done that, they've produced a like lasting effect on the defense right it's not just about the play calling it's about the personnel and and getting people into the right place and stuff like that and usually as well one of the things people look for in a good head coach is how they've dealt with and developed the coaches below them in the pecking order and so you know hopefully if we if he did do that if he turned out to be the absolute wonderkind then you know hopefully we're uh we're looking at having a really well-developed defense and defensive coaching staff as well, maybe with and an heir apparent in the organization. Yeah, and one of the other queries, you know, with us hiring a defensive-minded head coach is 
who's going to be in charge of the offensive side of the ball, you know, and who's going to be able to deal with the diva that is Kyle Murray. Uh, yeah, a, a, difficult, a difficult job if you listen to um, most of the internet. But yeah. Um, but I said, do actually have some breaking news on this part. Oh, if we actually hired someone? Yeah, I actually hired another... someone like oh, 20 brilliant. minutes ago. Oh, fantastic. That saves us going through the big list. Go on, who did we hire? It's actually a guy who is on the list. It's so who, sir? It is Drew Petzing, the Browns quarterback coach. Oh, okay. Oh, that's really good. Well, because we'd, we'd interviewed a few other wide receiver coaches, but a quarterback coach um, coming in, that's that's going to echo uh, Cliff Kingsbury's style a little bit more than I think. Yeah, he's another guy who's pretty young as well. He's only 35. I mean, the, well, you know, again, like uh, we've we've always had such an old team. Let's let's get some, you know, uh, some young blood in, right? Yeah. And I mean, he has also worked with Jonathan Gannon beforehand because they were both in Minnesota together. Ah, okay. Well, and, and also, I guess, uh, Monty Ossenfort has been through Minnesota as well, so maybe some connection there too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we were going to spend, like, however long we were going to spend speculating on who's going to be the offensive coordinator, but, you know, we know already. So yeah. we don't need to spend all that time Drew chatting about really nothing. Drew. But... Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's able to, you know... Um, really run that offense and, and obviously work with Kyler as well. Um, and I guess, you know, like new offensive coordinator, we're going to see some, you know, a bit of a change in how that offense runs, which will be quite exciting because, you know, the first couple of years of Kyler, um, obviously the offense was really dynamic and, and exciting, but the past two or three years, it feels like it's been figured out and that Cliff never really made the adjustment for it. Um so hopefully we see a bit of that adjustment and it kind of can begin to bring back some of the fire that we know that that offense can produce. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to know what his offense will actually look like, you know, being a, a quarterback's coach. Like, he's yeah. not really going to be one who's like done all the X's and O's. Like, he's probably gone through, like, the playbook with them. But, yeah, you know, will he just pick up, like, bits and pieces from the Browns playbook? Or, oh, yeah, you know, where he's... else he's been? Yeah, you might do, you know. I mean, the Browns have had some pretty good quarterbacks to work with in recent years. And, um, I mean, I think it's a lot of it's going to depend on the personnel that he's left with after the draft, right? Because, uh, you know, Cardinals-wise, we've got, uh, like, a couple big wide receiver names, but, like, who are kind of over the hill a little bit. Um, we've got, uh, you know, some good tight ends, but not spectacular. We've got... a crumbling to bits offensive line all of that's going to depend on or it should i hope feed into building that playbook yes i mean it's 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 another thing where we've got basically fresh ideas coming in isn't it like maybe we retained some of the old quote like the old offensive stuff if not all the least you know like guys like spencer whip or cam turner you know maybe they stick around who knows yeah it, it would be nice to have some level of continuity i guess but um you know, it's it's a it's a good time for optimism. I think, I, I, if at the very least the optimism is it can't get much worse than last year. Oh yeah, exactly. But we're not exactly setting the bar that high, though, are we? No, we're not. We're not. Um, well, I guess that's kind of that's almost a good time or a good segue to get back to um, 
talking about last season because we did in fact still run the British Bird Gang Awards for the 2022-2023 season um, despite the fact it was possibly one of the worst seasons of, of recent memory. We still got um, over 100 votes uh, in for it, which is really good. Um, and some surprising results on a few of the uh, a few of the different uh, categories. I mean, we've run them on the Josh Rosen year, so you know we've we've won them every single year if we've done them for that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we might as well keep it up, and um, I think it's a good way to uh, sort of heal, I guess, from last year is to kind of draw a true proper close on the end of last year and, and finish it off with our awards and a little bit of retrospective thinking about it. Yeah. So, you know, it's time for the British Bird Gang Awards for 2022. You know, everyone who voted, you know, thanks for voting. Everyone who didn't vote, you know, thanks for not voting. Time <laughs> we'll see, yeah. We'll see you next year, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, first off, we start with our our traditional um, first vote, which is goat of the season. Of course, that's um, goat as in the the British sense of goat, like a, a bad thing, something that didn't lead up to the promise that it was given. I mean, the easiest way I have of describing it is GRAT is greatest of all time in capital letters. Yeah. So we do it all in small letters <laughs> in the way it's, you know, like the worst. Of, I mean, we could call it the vote of the season, but what the fuck's a vote? Yeah, yeah. Well, we know a goat, as in goat or hero in this case as well. I hope that most people would, just by reading the uh, nominees, kind of know what we meant by it. Because the nominees for this were Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, Billy Price, Michael Bidwell, Kyler Murray, and Rodney Hudson. And every single one of them got votes and like significant amount of votes. Yeah, I was going to say they got quite a few votes between them, but there was only one winner, even though it was only by like four or five votes, I think, in the end. Yeah, it was a couple couple percent, and it was um, Michael Bidwell was the winner with 21.1% of the vote. Um, as I said, everyone else was not far behind. Uh, Billy Price being sort of second there and, and Cliff Kingsbury taking the third. But, um, it was a tie guess- actually in third. Oh, so it was a tie from Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, uh, uh, appropriately enough. But um, yeah, Michael Bidwell, I guess the buck stops with him at the end of the day. And I guess I guess you could read this as people sort of saying, like, he's the GOAT for giving Kime and uh, Cliff Kingsbury contract extensions and another chance when maybe they didn't deserve it. Yeah, and I mean, you know how I usually try and get the players who win to sort of acknowledge it on Twitter, but they never do because, you know, they got no time to do this sort of thing. Of course. I won't be telling Michael Bidwell he won this one. <laughs> then he will yeah. stop following British Bear Gang, most likely. Yeah, yeah. Um Mago and Mike Jurecki are not some blockers. I do think um I do think that this one is a little bit harsh because, you know, to me, you know, the the main decision that Michael Bidwell made that led to this year is the is the extension of Cliff and Kime. And let's not forget that the extension of Cliff and Kime happened after our second trip to the playoffs in 10 years. You know, it, it was like the end of a like let's call it a slightly better than average season by the end of it, but like 
a historic run to start the season, making it to the playoffs, which is pretty big for this team. Um, and then he renewed their contracts. And I think at the time, that was kind of the right thing to do. I mean, yeah, definitely. It seemed like the right thing to do because it seemed like the team was on an upward trajectory, weren't they? But yeah. it just wasn't to be. It just seemed to fall apart after, I don't know, it just never really started to get going, did it, last year? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, to me, I think, um, you know, I think that there's there's so much so much blame to spread around and i think that's why we got such spread around votes you know like even last place kyler murray was only like 10 votes behind first place i mean kyler murray should have been out in the first place you know it's not his fault he could probably he like tore his acl was it no it's not um and you know like i think uh i think if cliff and steve were together you know if it was one joint prize for them they would clearly win i mean to be fair billy price could have actually won it because i've not seen a worse center in the nfl since mason cole or basically whoever we've had at center anytime um, ever yeah it could definitely have been you know if it, if it was restricted to players only i would definitely give it to him um but yeah, it's 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 a hard one to place with the way that the season went and just how much of a disastrous fall off it was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think um I think giving it to Michael Bidwell is a bit harsh, but uh, the people have spoken. Yeah, the people have spoken. Bobby won't be telling him he won it. He may no. listen to the podcast and find out this way. So you know, it's not us who voted; it was the people, not <laughs> yeah, us. Exactly, Vox Populi, um, and. Uh, Another another vote in, in a similar vein, um, instead of it being just people this time, it was the general disappointment of the year um, for which the nominees were winning four games, the Kyle Murray injury, the DeAndre Hopkins suspension, Rodney Hudson, hard knocks, or Rondell Moore's injuries. All of them big disappointments, I would say. Yeah, I mean, hard knocks was disappointing because we couldn't actually watch it in the UK. Yeah, it was a real Even problem. Even illegally at the end of it? Yeah, especially like after that guy, uh, Schmomlin, uh, whoever it was the, on YouTube, was he stopped uploading them. That was, you know, that was it. It was just became basically impossible to find. He told me you couldn't source them from anywhere, so, you know, read yeah. into that what you will. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, uh, it just goes to show, like, you know, when, uh, when Hard Knocks was... Um, when Hard Knocks was, you know, pre-season and stuff, it, it kind of had a story to tell. Whereas when it was in the mid-season, they didn't know what their story was going to be by the end of the season. And uh, they just ended up leaving out all this important stuff and all of the interesting stuff. Because obviously the Cardinals got the final edit and they weren't going to let them show anything that was unflattering, like the, you know, the internal fighting that was happening in Mexico, for example. Yeah, I mean, it, it just... Like I say, I hoped it would be a good season, but the fact we never actually saw it and we had to just make do with other people's recollections of it, it was like, that's just disappointing in itself, isn't it? But you know, yeah, there were but, things a lot more disappointing this season than a TV show. Yeah, absolutely. Hard Knocks was actually one of the lowest voted for ones because the winner for Disappointment of the Year was winning four games. Um which I think is a, a very fair and apt disappointment because 
I don't I don't remember seeing anyone predicting that we were going to go four and thirteen at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, not even Vegas had us that low. I think we were seven and a half at Vegas. Yeah, I think most of the stuff that I saw had us sitting at around a five hundred record at the end of the season. Um, if if not a little bit lower, but four games is is pretty grim. You know, that's a it's a less than two fifty record, which is uh, you know, it's really poor. Um. It's really poor considering the talent that we had going into the year and the promise that we showed last year. You know, to think that in one single stretch in the 2021-22 season, we won twice as many games as we won all of last year um, is pretty shocking, really. And I mean, the worst thing as well is that the Kansas City Chiefs won more games at State Farm Stadium last year than we did. Oh, they did, didn't they? Oh, that's. I mean, they could have been the Philadelphia Eagles as well. Had yeah. They won, but... At least we, uh, at least we didn't, um, we didn't continue the home defeat record the whole way down. You know, like, also, we, broke, like, we broke that particular duck. I mean, there was the streak going on where the host of the Super Bowl had won the previous two years, so we could have made it free, but we didn't even make it. <laughs> But we did um, host the Super Bowl. We did host the Super Bowl again. Um, but who cares? <laughs> the second place for this is um, Kyler Murray's injury. And I, I do think that this would win Disappointment of the Year if it had been really kind of any earlier in the season. But I feel like by the time Kyler went down with his ACL, although I guess you could say that he, he obviously was injured before that, but... By the time he got either injury, really, it felt like the season was over, you know, but like before that point. Yeah, it's just, just a bleak season altogether. And, you know, it yeah. makes you wonder why are we still continuing to talk about it? But, you know, <laughs> we well, still this have is... plenty more like, yeah. awards to go through, sadly. Well, at least we've got a few positive ones. Um, although I will say that uh, picking game of the gear this year the nominees were a bit thin on the ground especially as we only actually won four games i mean yeah it gave people an easy choice though, didn't it i mean at least it's not as bad as one year when we had three games to choose from oh yeah very true um in that in this case the nominees were uh the cardinals winning against the uh, raiders 29 23 in the overtime shocker um the cardinals win over the carolina panthers um after being beaten by them quite a few years in a row. Um, the 42-34 went over the uh, Saints, and the 27-17 went over the Rams for the second year in a row that we've actually managed to beat the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I disagree with the one that won this one. I will say that. Yeah, I, I think that the win was probably <laughs> the most exciting win, but it's also the one that very nearly didn't happen. I mean, yeah, it had two of, like, Two of the best plays to happen this year. Spoil on the next yeah. award, but you know, for my money, the win against the Saints was the better one. Yeah, I think the the Saints win was good. It was nice to score a decent amount of points. Um, the Rams win would be it if it wasn't such a boring game to watch. Um, and the Panthers' revenge was quite satisfying as well. Um, but I can see why people. So the the Cardinals Raiders game won it. Um, and I can see why people voted for that because it it was a really exciting end to a football game. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see that part of it. And also there was the Kyle Murray magic, basically. Yeah, the, but, the extended play for like 45 seconds or however long it was. 
Yeah, but the Cardinals Saints had Isaiah Simmons' pick six and Marco Wilson's pick six. With the incredible uh, flip that he did in that as well. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the Cardinals Panthers had the one vote. That was probably Darren who actually went out to <laughs> Carolina to go and see that game. To be honest, I, I definitely um, rate that game as well because of the fact that we had such a long time long streak of losing to them and losing badly ever since we lost the um nfc championship game to them in carolina uh way back in like what would that be 2013 or so um i i feel like we've had a a real uh a real problem with them yeah i mean obviously they were another team who eventually sacked their head coach because they were used i think they sacked him well like, they, they sacked him the in the after. season yeah was in the middle well, of the, the week, season. Like, so. Yeah, not long after we actually beat them. So if you can't beat the Cardinals, you don't deserve a job, do you, basically? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, the, the Raiders game won it by, by a significant margin, 66.1% of the vote. Um, so clearly that was that was the one that stuck with people. Yeah. Anyway, we move on to play of the year. And, you know, it was slim pickings, I would say, as well. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, there were quite a few like individual plays that were particularly good. I mean, we got we got seven of them uh, nominated here. So there was Kyler Murray's two point conversion run versus Las Vegas to take it into overtime. Um, Zavin Collins pick six versus Seattle. Uh, Marco Wilson pick six versus New Orleans, which we just mentioned, and same with Isaiah Simmons pick six. Uh, Hollywood Brown's touchdown versus Las Vegas, and DeAndre Hopkins touchdown versus Minnesota. And Byron Murphy's walk-off uh, winner versus Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was only two which... Well, I mean, it was basically between two things, wasn't it, in the voting? And it was both the Las Vegas game, so the Kyler Murray two-point conversion to take it to overtime and um, the Byron Murray uh, Byron Murphy uh, walk-off versus Vegas to win it. And uh, the winner was... Uh, the two-point conversion of all things. I guess just because it was such a long, extended play that really showed like what makes Kyler Murray special. Yeah, it won 42.2% of the vote compared to 33.9% of the vote, which went to Byron Murphy's play. I always think, you know, when it comes to play of the year, defensive plays are so underrated because a few of those pick sixes were really exciting. I mean, any sort of pick six is exciting, but yeah. especially one, you know, when it's a linebacker doing it. So, like, yeah, I say a Simmons, he's just ridiculously athletic. Yeah, really fun to watch that. And But, you know, I I think um, I'm glad that we managed to have this many plays to, to talk about. But, yeah, yet again, clear favorite uh, is that is that two-point conversion, which is a spectacular play. And I do think you know it's something it's a reminder to cardinals fans of like what kyler murray can do when he's happy and healthy i think literally all of them happened in the first half of the season as well uh yeah i mean basically all of our wins did as well right yeah i mean the only reason for that is when i was putting this sheet together i could only find a video which was like the top 10 plays of the cardinals first half of the season. I couldn't find any for the second half. <laughs> Nobody even bothered to think about it. And this was after the season had finished as well, so it's like, yeah. what's your excuse, NFL.com? 
I guess they're doing the same thing we do, right? And just like that, the entire season's getting memory hold now. It never happened. Yeah, exactly. Paint, like, file it all away. <laughs> in the archives, in the vaults. Um, I think uh, right now we could take a little break from giving out some of the awards um, and we could have a a little chat because I, I was um, interested in how you would actually rate the season, Tom. And I thought... First, I thought like we could try and give it a number, but to be honest, I I don't think I'd be giving it more than like a one out of ten. It'd be a question of whether it's a zero out of ten or a one out of ten. So I would have to get that out. I'll just <laughs> no problem. Stupid cat. Shut up. Get out. You're getting out the show. There he's gone. Uh, we'll be. Uh, he'll be wanting back in before you know it. But anyway, <laughs> I was going to take a break and say about rating the season. So initially I was going to say, or I was going to ask you, do you think you, where do you think you'd rate it on like a one to 10 scale? But I was personally sort of stuck with, would I give it a zero or would I give it a one? Which I don't think is very interesting to talk about. But I thought rather than that, I was going to ask you, do you think for you it was better or worse than the Josh Rosen year? I'm going to say it was worse. Even though we won more games, it's just the you fact know, that we had higher expectations. I think that's whatever. Yeah, that's where I come down on it as well. Like, uh, you know, arguably, yeah, like we came out with a uh, with one more win, right? We came out with a four win season instead of a three win season. Um, but I think with the Josh Rosen games, um, actually, quite a lot of the games I remember that year, we were in it for a lot longer than we were in the games this season you know like there was there was a lot more chances to actually win it and like it it kind of could have gone either way by the end of the game um with the defense giving up a lot of scores as well like the at least josh rosen was out there you know kind of scoring and making stuff happen and then the defense was given up and you know there was kind of hope there because uh, it was also like that was the start of a rebuild year, right? We were like, oh, well, well it'll be interesting to see what Josh Rosen can do next year. Um, but this year, you know, going from playoff appearance last year to just unable to string together a drive some games, it was really tough to watch. Yeah, it was just like, like I say, we had expectations for this year, like not lofty expectations, but no. like more than four wins expectations. Yeah, I certainly wasn't expecting a Super Bowl run, but I was hoping for like a healthy record and for a better second half of the season. And what I got was just like continuation of what the second half of last season looked like just all the way through. Yeah, there was no second half collapse for Cliff Kingsby's team this year. It was just a whole season collapse. Yeah. Um and yeah, for that for that reason I think it's definitely the worst season that we've covered. Um, on this show and you know i know that uh long-term arizona cardinals fans always like to point out to you know what a couple of years in like sun devil stadium and things were like but i would suggest that this is like this is definitely worst in the modern era of um state farm stadium slash university of phoenix stadium like since we moved out of the sun devil stadium i just call it the worst in the british birth gang era yeah, yeah, I would give up with that. That's that's a fair assessment. We have our own era, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was a you know, it's, it's sort of era defining, right? The show. I suppose the thing is, it can't get worse than this. I mean, it can't get worse, but hopefully, it won't get worse. 
Well, I mean, I think um, the fact that we are, you know, I don't think we ended up with the worst record. Well, we didn't end up with the worst record because we've got number three picks. So we're the third worst team in the NFL at the end of the season from across the season. Um, but we are by every like power rankings and every like how did your team fare and like what position is your team in now um thing everyone is putting us down at number 32 you know they're given um they're given both the texans and the broncos some extra points for kind of having a bit more of a roster to play with and also having a first and second round pick and stuff. And basically everyone's putting us in sort of the worst possible position we could be in now. Um, yeah. Which, which to me is, is kind of perfect, right? Like it, it means that there's absolutely no expectations going into next year. And that means that um, even if we did as badly uh, next year as we did this year, at least it wouldn't be as much of a disappointment along the way. I mean, like we say, we did vote to go for between one and ten. Obviously, one being the worst, ten being the best. There was actually no one voting for five, six, seven, eight, nine, or ten. Surprisingly, um, the vast majority of the votes went to one and two with forty-five apiece. Um, the average overall for uh, the entire entire set of votes that came in is just over one point five. Okay, I mean, um, I could understand. What is it in total, like one point? Five, is there a percentage or anything like that? Not a percentage, a decimal point. Yeah, so it's it's um it's like one point five eight five. So just just under one point six, um, is the yeah. Because let's round it up, make it look a yeah. bit better. So it's, so you could say yeah, one point six um approximately is a, is the the average vote um out of ten for how the season went. And I genuinely think that if we had included zero as an option. It would be a, a hell of a lot lower than that. I never thought about putting this zero. Probably should yeah. have done. But... I think a lot of the people um, who put one would have put zero, and a lot of the people who put two would have put one. Um, but basically, you know, the, what all you need to know is that um, it, it really is down about as low as it can get um, in terms of like fan rating of how the season went. I mean, we've got cause as well. Let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't, I don't blame people with that, and I don't think it's an overreaction to be putting a one in there. You know, every year we do get people putting in like a one, even if we've had a, you know, a good season or even like a mediocre season. We get quite a lot of people putting in ones because I think that for some fans, like anything short of a Super Bowl victory, uh, and even at that, like a short of a Super Bowl victory by like thirty points is a is a crap season. Um, yeah, for this year, I would definitely put down put down a one. Out of interest, what score did you put? Um, I think I put a one for this one actually. See, I put a three. You see, yeah, you does seem a bit fat too too much, really. Yeah, I think um, yeah, a three a three is an interesting choice. I guess like there's moments when I would have considered it going up to about a three, but. Like overall, I have to call it a one. You know, couldn't even tank to get a first round pick to to get first overall. I know it's just terrible, but you know it is what it is. And you know, I suppose we should also talk about the fact we have our also what is it our yearly competition, which again <laughs> bombed completely. 
Yeah, so every year, obviously, we do some some predictions. We try and predict uh, the final score, the final um, season record. We try and predict some bits and pieces for different players. Um, so I've scored it up for this year, uh, and we, you know, so we predicted stats for Kyler Murray, James Connor, Hollywood Brown. I'm not going to go through it all because there were so many injured players and so many like tough games and stuff this year that. It, almost everything that we guessed at the start of the year is completely irrelevant. Um, but out of all the categories, Tom, you got five and a half points. I got seven points and the rest of the world got nine and a half for the first ever time that the rest of the world has beaten uh, both of us. So there's that. But I am the only person who got any actual correct answers and I got two of those. Uh, I predictedly, I correctly predicted that James Conner would only get one receiving touchdown, and uh, there was another one somewhere that I got dead on. Ah, yeah, uh, I predicted that Isaiah Simmons would get three sacks, um, but other than that, you know, I, so much of it was off, um, just completely because you know Kyler missed a quarter of all the games. Um, James Conner was injured at points, Hollywood Brown, you know, in and out of the of the squad and um our annual sack race as well seems to be more of a curse than anything else because we were predicting who would get more sacks out of um Marcus Golden and Dennis Gardeck. And uh although we were predicting seven, nine, six, the actual was one and a half sacks for Golden and one sack for Gardeck. So I think that might be the end of the sack race. I mean, it depends on where we go with the number three overall pick. You know, if we do pick yeah. someone like Will Anderson, it's like, yeah, let's see how many picks a rookie will get. Absolutely. Or sacks, rather, because he won't get any. He might get a pick as well, but... That'd be fun. We best not curse it. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Um, interestingly, I just want to quickly look at the, um, the season record as the kind of final thing here. Um, so... At the start of the season, Tom, you predicted ten and seven. I predicted twelve and five, and the world predicted eight and nine. Obviously, our final record, you know, just yeah, nowhere near that. So, um, grim, grim. I would say. Yeah, I was going to say let's not bring that up. Yeah, because it, it's just horrible, really. And you know, he's hoping next year is a lot better. Whether we still do Tom versus Callum versus the world, I don't know. Probably will because we need content on the podcast. <laughs> but we will still have um, the end of the year uh, awards, and we've still got a few left to give out before we can finally put this season to bed. Yeah. So next, well, the next award up is best new addition for the team. Obviously, that's the one who wasn't on the team last year and is on the team this year. And uh, nominations for that were Hollywood Brown. Will Hernandez, Benjamin Neiman, uh, Cody Ford, and Nick Vigil. Good to see Nick Vigil got a vote. Probably Nick Vigil yeah. himself. <laughs> Might be. Um, but I think this was another runaway one. Um, Will Hernandez in, in distant second place with 22%, but Hollywood Brown bringing it in with 70.6%. I think in in the most decisive vote, or one of the most decisive votes of the uh, of the awards... So far, anyway. Yeah. Um, Wait till you see the next one. Or and, a couple. You know, I've, uh, Hollywood Brown, you know, uh, easy winner of this for me. I mean, yeah. So, like, we had much competition, really, did we? On new additions to the team. No. 
Some um, of them just never like they came in, but they yes. never actually played or like they were cut before they played, so we couldn't include them. Yeah, or just didn't make that much impact. But I, I don't think that can be said for Hollywood Brown. You know, that was just um, kind of immediate impact, right? I guess, especially because of uh, certain drug suspensions that were happening uh, at the start of the season. He was kind of thrust into it, right? Yeah, and I mean, the thing is as well with New Edition is it's not someone who's drafted. It's always yes, someone who's exactly. brought in as a free agent or trade sort of thing. Yeah, Otherwise, they're just a rookie, right? I mean, we should have put Robbie Anderson on there, but we didn't. Uh, yeah, true. I don't think he would have been winning any votes, though, particularly. He sort of came in and did nothing, really, didn't he? Would he have got more votes than Nick Vigil, though? Who knows? Yeah, possibly. Maybe Nick Vigil would have voted for him. No, he'd have voted for himself. That's what <laughs> everyone does, just to make sure they're not gotta, embarrassed Yeah, getting nothing. Got to pad the stats somehow, right? Exactly. Um. But no, Hollywood Brown, yeah, in there, seventy point six percent, well deserved. He was, he was kind of, um, he had involvement in every single game. I would say, um, you know, not always uh, like making an entire difference to the game, but like he was always getting catches, he was always getting targets, um, and he also got injured. Oh, yeah, very true. Because um, remember, we had that stat where I think it was only so many snaps we had together where Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Hollywood Brown were all on the field at the same time together. Yeah, it was, it was really uh, limited. But I would say, you know, uh, obviously Hollywood Brown did a, did a great job filling in um, for when Nook was, uh, was out as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, he started the season on fire. Like, he was literally like the most targeted guy in the entire league. Yeah, and those are like quite literally some big shoes to fill, right? It was nice to see that um, chemistry that that uh, Kyler and Hollywood had in college kind of come back almost immediately. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we get to see more of it next season, although we will obviously have to make sure we re-sign Hollywood Brown and also Kyler Murray needs to get healthy. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully kind of see that pairing continue uh, because it is, it's really exciting to watch, and um, I think Hollywood Brown is is like a, you know, um, he would make an excellent wide receiver one if it turns out that we don't keep Nook. Yeah, I mean that's a story for another time, though, isn't it? You know, it who is, knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I don't think you could really count Hollywood Brown in for our next award. He may have been new to the Cardinals, but he certainly had his breakout prior years because the next one was breakout player of the year which is you know somebody who uh kind of really became a name i guess you could say within that year or like really kind of came into their own um and i think we had a pretty stacked field for that this year you know we hadn't had didn't have a great year but we did see some you know promising young talent kind of really uh Step it up a gear. Yeah, exactly. You know, we got like Marco Wilson, Josh Jones, Greg Dorch, Stephen Collins, Zach Allen, and Isaiah Simmons, all on the list. Yeah, and all of them got some some votes. Uh, Josh Jones at the at the very back of the pack, um, but one Greg Dorch taking it for the win. Yeah, he got thirty three percent of the vote, just ahead of Zach Allen with twenty four point eight. I say just ahead. I mean, that's quite a substantial difference. But yeah, well, the thing is, so I I voted for Greg Dortch in this one um, over Zach Allen only because I thought Zach Allen 
could arguably have been said to like have his breakout last year, and this is just kind of a continuation of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a very subjective award. Like it's always it is, think yeah. as well, like trying to decide who's actually in it and who shouldn't be in it. You know, it's That's always hard exactly. to weigh up. Like, but I do think that Greg Dortch is like a perfect example of this award. Right, is it's a guy who you know came into the season as almost a bit of an unknown um and then made his presence felt every time he was on the field i think yeah i mean in pre-season he just seemed to light it up anytime he caught the ball yeah um which is more than we said for someone like andy isabella yeah absolutely and he, he just took that momentum with him into this into the season you know it was uh one of the you know back when we still had optimism about the uh about the season, he was kind of one of the the bright sparks we were talking about a lot. We're like, oh, well, we lost, but it's great because uh, Greg Dortch had a great game and, you know, that's really exciting and everything. But sadly, it I wasn't mean, to continue. He did have two British Birdland Breakdown Player of the Game awards to his name as well. Yeah, so very true, actually. Um, week 1 and Week 11 against San Francisco. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like... You know, it's pretty pretty good going um, for a, again a guy who was a bit of an unknown throughout uh, last year as well. And I mean, as well, like he got some votes, but I thought Zayvon Collins may have got a bit more. You know, like because everyone saw how he struggled as a rookie. Yeah, but his second year has been a lot better. Absolutely, yeah, and I think you know part of that was kind of finding the right like scheme for him, the like the right part of the field for him to be in, and. Um, you know, I, I definitely agree that he settled, but I also I think he might have struggled with the same thing that Zach Allen did, which is that uh, although Zayvon Collins struggled as a rookie, I think he started to bring things together in the last couple of games of last year. Yeah, I mean, obviously he wasn't perfect, but you know, like I say, he seemed to make a lot fewer mistakes this year. He was in yeah. and around the board a lot more. I wonder if you know if we instead call like instead of calling it. Um, breakout player if we'd called it like most improved if he might have won it i mean it's basically the same sort of thing though yeah yeah it is it is um but you know i i do also think you know basically everyone on that list deserved to get votes marco wilson like he had a great year yeah absolutely you know like he came into the year like people just weren't expecting him to do much but because of injuries and like lack of lack of new faces in the cornerback room. He was basically thrust into a starting lineup position. And obviously he struggled at part times, but you know, as the season progressed, he definitely improved a lot. Oh, big time, yeah. And like, you know, um at the start of the year we were we were basically talking about him as though he was just a like a pair of boots to fill like an empty an empty slot right like you know we were like well well whenever we get somebody in to replace him um we'll do that but uh, you know i think as the year progressed he showed more and more that he could uh he he very much deserved to be there i mean as well i'll be interested for these defensive players like how is their role going to change now under jonathan gannon like is he going to change us from a three four to a four three defense which will mean you know, changing guys all over the place. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've actually got no idea what scheme he primarily ran in um, uh, at the Eagles, and and how much of that was sort of his choice, I guess, or how much of it was a uh, was uh, coming down from the head coach. But uh, I think it'll be really fun to see, regardless, right? I mean, whatever scheme he was running in there, it was one that got Hassan Reddick 
doing a job properly, which is more than we can say for most yeah, of his def- time here. Definitely. Um, and if he can bring out, you know, that kind of fire from somebody who, you know, if he can, if he can get that kind of improvement out of somebody, then um, I, I'm quite happy to see it happen here as well. Shall we move on to our next award? Yeah, um, and when I said that the last one was the biggest margin, uh, I was forgetting about this one because it's the veteran player of the year, um, and I could really only see this going one way. But we did put up uh, eight nominations, which is Andy Lee, Matt Prater, Colt McCoy, JJ Watt, Kelvin Beecham, AJ Green, Rodney Hudson, and Zach Ertz. Um, and our rather unsurprising winner was, of course, the the recently retired JJ Watt. Yeah, he got 90.8% of the vote, which makes our pie chart look like Pac-Man as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or be a green, yeah. green Pac-Man. Um, but yeah, JJ Watt, uh, absolutely killing it with that. Um, you know, I think we should probably save JJ Watt talk, though, because we've got a few more rewards. Sounds, that sounds like a good plan. I mean, I think um, you know, it, it's definitely better than, than the year... So the Rosen year, I think Andy Lee won basically all of our awards. So I guess um, that there must have been some more positives to talk about this year than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were obviously throughout the season positives here and there, but you know, as a whole, not really. Yeah, I suppose our our second uh, winner to JJ Water, our second place with a few percent of the vote, was Matt Prater, um, who I do think, you know, deserves a little word as a as an excellent veteran player. You know, we saw the difference when we have him and when we don't. Um, and I think he's just, you know, just a brilliant all-round um, kicker to have. And I, I hope we've got him for at least another couple of years. I tried to figure out who didn't get a vote in this one, because I think it looks like AJ Green didn't. Uh, I mean, can you blame yeah. people for not voting for him? Yeah, he might have got like one vote and a sliver, but no, I don't think he did get a vote. And, you know, you talk about uh, a roster with a lot of um, a lot of wide receivers in it. Uh, and AJ Green, I don't know, he's starting to like fade into the paintwork a little bit there. I mean, he's also announced his retirement from the NFL as well, yeah. since we last recorded. Um, but that's enough you know, for I about think... talking about AJ Green, I think. Yeah. Great career, but uh, maybe not so much with the Cardinals. Yeah, so we go from the old people to the new people with our Rookie of the Year award. I always like getting around to these awards because it's always fun listing out the entire list of rookies and then you sort of, there's some names that you see a lot of talk about throughout the year and there's some names that you're like, wait, did we draft them? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much a straight fight between two of the picks. Granted, our two, were they our two first picks, second and third round? Uh, I think they were, yeah. Cause, so the full list was uh, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders, Trey McBride, Jesse Lakota, Keontae Ingram, and Christian Matthew, of which the main fight was between MyJ Sanders and Trey McBride. Yeah, and it was MyJ Sanders who took the award with 43.1% compared to 35.8% from Trey McBride. And to be fair, Cameron Thomas got 15.6%. Yeah, and the rest of them, Keontae Ingram got more than the rest, but not by much. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I think that's a that's a reasonable end to it. I think my vote was with Trey McBride um, over my Jay Sanders, but you know, um, both of them, I think, you know, made a made an immediate impact and like had people talking about them, which is like, you know, half the way to get to that um, that point. I mean, I can see why my Jay Sanders got slightly more than McBride because. Obviously, we had McBride's struggles early in the season, and he wasn't really used that much. It was probably only like the last like month and a half of the season where we saw basically why they took him in the second round. Yeah, I guess I'm just um, I've, yeah, maybe it's recency bias, or maybe it's because so many people called their name McBride and Prejudice. Um, yeah, I was going to say we best have some new better names next year. Yeah. I'm surprised, actually, looking at it, that nobody went with, like, Colonel My J. Sanders or something like that. That's one for next year for someone, I'm sure. They'll be yeah. making a note of that right now as you <laughs> listen to the podcast. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, with that, we can we can move on to our, you know, most coveted individual awards, which would be the players of the year for all of the different uh, teams. Yeah, but before we get to that, we have obviously the more important one, which is the British Birdman Breakdown Player of the Year, which uh, is yeah. awarded to the person who wins the most Player of the Game awards for the whole season. I've actually completely forgotten about who this is. I, I remember looking at the table just av- as we uh, finished the season, but I've completely forgotten who, who actually won it in the end. Yeah, I mean, it was one person who won three of the last four awards, so... Ah, uh, yeah, okay, I remember now. Yeah, JJ Watt won it because he took three awards throughout the whole season. Yeah, it's... um. I think sort of after he announced his retirement, right, he, you know, and and on top of that, it was a point when the, the Cardinals season was over. But, um, you know, I think I think he had a, a sort of very reasonable final season with us. And I, I think the one of the main things I'm very pleased at is he managed to to do a full season. You know, he didn't have to play his final game uh, like sometime in October and then get a shoulder injury and then retire at the end of the season. He got like a proper send off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a, definitely a mixed bag as well with the role of honour throughout the whole year because, like I say, JJ Watt had three. But we also had Zach Allen with two. Greg Dortch won two. Zavin Collins won two. Hollywood Brown won two. And then we had Eno Benjamin. Remember him? Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Colt McCoy, James Connor, and Trey McBride all won one apiece. I mean, it's it's quite um, shocking to think that in the previous two or three years, we just couldn't get away from Kyler Murray winning these, and uh, we've now got like quite a spread. You know, I, I think a lot of that's to do with having so many losses. You know, you start looking for a bright spot somewhere in that loss. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, quite quite the spread and. Although JJ Watt's a, a deserving winner, I think we had quite a few people there on two who, you know, would have all deserved to win or share it with JJ as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was just the fact that he had that tear late in the season, you know, against Denver, against Tampa Bay, and San Francisco. The guy was just ready to pad his stats for retirement, you know. Probably had dipped out a few, a few extra hundred thousand dollars as well in sack bonuses. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. Can't hate him I'm, for that. No, definitely not. Um, a well-deserved uh, win there, and uh, 
probably a bit of a spoiler for the defensive player of the year as well. Yeah, I was going to say, that's where we'll probably talk a bit more about JJ Watt. If there is anything more we can actually say, because I think we've literally covered him to death over the last few episodes. Actually, should we just do Defensive Player of the Year now? Because I've just spoiled who won it anyway. Um, no, we have, we've got to do it in order. Okay, special you teams do... have to come first. <laughs> special teams first, okay. Well, special teams nominees uh, were Andy Lee, Matt Prater, Dennis Gardeck, Zeke Turner, Chris Banjo, Aaron Brewer, or you've got it listed here as the other long snapper. And the other long snapper actually got more votes than some of them. He got more votes than Aaron Brewer, anyway. No, exactly. I wonder how Aaron Brewer feels about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, our winner for this one was Andy Lee, uh, followed closely by Matt Prater and Dennis Gardak. Um, you know, I think Andy Lee was pretty money this year. Um, it's nice to have at least one, you know, part of the team that's not worth worrying about and. Andy Lee and his consistency. Like, is he the the best punter in the NFL? No. Is he very, very consistent? And you don't need to worry about it when the Cardinals punt it away, which is a lot. Um, Yes, and I think that is worth celebrating. I mean, to be fair, he is getting on now. He's like 40 years old now. So it's like literally how long does he have left in the league? And you say he has an okay season. I suppose he did. Yeah, but he was below league average in everything. And was his it really? Punch average was actually quite down on previous mm. years, so maybe Didn't... age is actually catching up to him. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you do see some kickers and punters like kind of go into their mid to late forties, but you know, it would be good, I think, to start seeing. In that case, you know, maybe maybe having some uh, other punters come in or something like that, because I'm I'm just comparing it to when. Uh, Matt Prater had replacements come in and it was terrifying. You know, we were missing every place kick and everything like that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, punter is a hard position to actually find. Cause like, you could end up with Andy Lee, but you could end up with Drew Butler, which would you prefer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Dennis Gardeck getting quite a few votes there as well. You know, I think that's a... Uh, he had some, some good special teams plays this year. So he did more on special teams than he did on the sack race, at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Better than that. What was it? He was he was the one sack, wasn't he? Three he was, year. yeah. Or was it one and a half? What it was? It wasn't pretty either way. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, yeah, special teams player of the year, Andy Lee, just followed closely by Matt Prater, who maybe would have won it if he was in the full season. Didn't miss a few games for injury. And if he didn't miss a few kicks as well, you know, maybe people would have looked a bit more favorably on him. Very possibly, yeah. Um, but at least Andy Lee won another award, which is a very good tradition for having a crap season. I was going to say, yeah, we've got to stay on brand with Andy Lee awards. Yeah. Um, the promised defensive player of the year, uh, as I already spoiled, won by J.J. Watt. Other nominees included Zach Allen, Isaiah Simmons, Zavin Collins, Marco Wilson, Jalen Thompson, and the only other person who came close, which was Buda Baker. Um I think Buddha had a spectacular season, um, but you can't deny that JJ Watt has a lot of, uh, you know, good good uh, vibes attached to him as well. Goodwill. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to pick between like how can you have like two better like not just football players but like humans in yeah. JJ Watt yeah. and Buddha Baker. It's like obviously one of those two had to win it, and you know you couldn't really blame. 
people for voting for JJ Watt considering what he did. But no. also, you can't blame people for voting for Buda Baker just because of who Buda Baker is and like what he brings to this team. You know, he's literally like the heartbeat of this team. Oh, big time. I mean, he's just, he's really turned into the guy. You know, he's in a lot of ways, he is what Calais Campbell was a few years ago. You know, just the the heart and soul, like um, the uh, yeah, just the, the a leader, a true proper leader is what he is. And um, on top of that, just obviously such a nice guy off the field as well. Um, and yeah, same with JJ Watt. But I think you know when you're when you've got to pick between those these two guys, and one of them is um, you know arguably at the at the start of an incredible career with a lot still to come out, and one of them is. Um, capping off like a one of the all-time great careers at his position, then you you got to give it to to the guy who's heading to Canton soon, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, like you say, Peter Baker, he's like Calais Campbell, but he's easier to hear. Well, he's <laughs> yeah. easier to understand, isn't he? Yeah, very much so. I think taking a few fewer hits to the head than Calais did. Do you think it maybe it's something about the names though? Because CC Calais Campbell, oh, yeah, BB, Buda Baker, Very JJ. Got to look out for some more uh, alliterative names, right? To say, yeah, we need an AA now to complete the set. <laughs> Just like yeah, keep going up and um, but I mean, yeah. as well before that, we had DD Darnell Dockett. Oh, so we did, yeah. That'd be actually a fun thing to do. Work out like how many alliterative names the Cardinals have had, maybe for the off season. I'm surprised with the number of Z names that we've got that we've not got a ZZ somewhere. Zach Salem. Zach Salem. Um, he's Zach Allen, remember? He is Zach Allen, yeah. Very true. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't know what, what more you could say about uh, about JJ Watt there. Just, you know, uh, incredible career and, uh, and a, a really good season with us. I, I just, you know, the only thing I would say I'm sad about is that we never got him at his absolute best, right? He he had his best years, arguably, in Texas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like his 20 sack seasons, you know, his defensive player of the year award winning season as well. It's like, yeah, obviously that when he was, that's when he was younger. You know, his body hadn't taken as many hits and battered I, and bruised as he was, but, you know. Yeah, but I, the, the caveat that I would say to that is that we definitely didn't have him... Like he wasn't washed up when he came to us, you know. It wasn't like it was uh, his. Um, he wasn't just looking for a final paycheck and then retire. He was here to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just a shame that he got injured the way he did in that first year. And um, you know, I think he made up for it by giving us a really good year with some, you know, nice stats to round it off. And he was one of the few things that was like that made it fun to tune into the Cardinals last year. And I mean, if he wanted to play next year, he he literally could play next year. He just yeah. doesn't yeah, yeah. need to or want to. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of skill in choosing when to bow out and retire. And I think that he's chosen a really good time to do it. You know, he's, he's made up a couple of stats that are going to be hard to beat uh, at certain points. He's definitely got a Hall of Fame career. Um, made a bit of extra cash and uh you know getting out now with a because he's got a young baby as well right so getting out now with you know obviously battered and bruised but like 
use of all of his limbs you know as as dark as as to say like he's he's out the right time if you ask me yeah and he'll have his moment again in 2028 won't he he will yeah um along with tom brady oh man that's gonna be a hell of a <laughs> hell of a hell of a draft class into the yeah. Hall of Fame. um oh man Larry Fitzgerald the year before as well 2027. Yeah, if he even goes. He's technically not retired yet. Yeah, but I think as long as he's not been paid yeah, yeah, by I an think NFL it, team for five act, years, they technically classed as retired. Active years, yeah. Yeah. So from the defensive side of the ball, we go to the offensive side of the ball, and obviously four-win teams don't really deserve awards, but we have to give <laughs> one out just to be fair. Yeah, indeed. Um and, you know, a, a reasonable crop of guys to choose between. We've got Kyler Murray, James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, DJ Humphreys, uh, Kelvin Beecham, Zach Ertz, and Greg Dortch. Um, obviously, some some previous award winners there. Uh, and this one was a lot more split, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Never seemed to be able to make the mind up, you know. Like, Kyler yeah. Murray is pretty much non-existent in the voting. Yeah, four or five votes, and you know, it's um, that's just such a contrast, isn't it, from a couple of years ago when he was winning, you know, in the same way that JJ Watt did, like he was getting seventy, eighty percent of the vote, but here he's he's basically a non-factor. Um, he doesn't have a percentage on the chart, let alone. No, he doesn't. Yeah, like the, you know, at the lower end, like above Kyler Murray, still we've got Hollywood Brown and we've got Kelvin Beecham getting more, way more votes than. Than Kyler Murray, um, second place Greg Dortch uh, with a bit of a surprise resurgence there, but uh, our winner, I think, deservedly for an offensive player of the year is James Conner. Yeah, I mean you can't really fault that one, can you? Again, it's like it just shows you like how bad a season is. No offense to Greg Dortch, obviously, but no. The fact he's second in this, where we've got like Kyler Murray, Hopkins, yeah, Hollywood. It's like he's second behind James. I mean, James Conner definitely deserves it. Yeah. But like, it just shows you how bad the year this has been when a guy like Greg Dorch is second in the voting in our Offensive I mean, Player of the Year award. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind saying that this was probably the hardest award for me to fill in. Like, it's, it, you know, I think, um, I think James Conner is definitely like deserving of it. But, you know, it's like trying to, think of who else would go there it's that's a that's a tough uh a tough thing in a year like we've had yeah i mean i did vote for obviously i would have voted for carla Murray, but you know <laughs> that's just me but no i did actually vote for james connor just because i think he i mean he wasn't great this year but you know he put on the numbers he kept the team going you know yeah he was very consistent, you know, and and like um, given that he was part of a double act last year and kind of had the whole show this year, um, I think he like picked up where he left off really well, um, and you know, I think despite the fact that the team wasn't scoring very well overall, he was still very very consistent in his scoring, um, and consistent in his runs, and I, I think you know if the rest of the team had been able to pick it up a little bit around him. Um, and especially if that offensive line could have held a bit better to to sell the pass, um, then he could have really had a had a much better year. And I'm just really hoping that we manage to sort a lot of the things before 
James Conner gets bored and and heads somewhere else where he's going to have a good offensive line. Yeah, and I mean it goes to show as well. Like he won this award, but in our final award, which is the British Spurs MVP twenty twenty two, he's basically an odd factor. Yeah, which again I know, shows right? how bad the season this has been for the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean we can just get straight into that because obviously the MVP award we chucked down. Um, both offensive and defensive players uh, and you know in the top two the top two covered about 90% of all the votes and they were both defensive so out of that Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, James Conner, Hollywood Brown, JJ Watt, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker were all put forward but Buda Baker secured 30.3% of the votes and JJ Watt secured 56% Um, as you said really just highlighting how much of a non-factor that the offense has been in in the way that this season played out? Yeah, I mean JJ Watt winning what four awards from this season just goes yeah. to show, really, doesn't it? Well, I think it's at the end of the day, like you know, when it's been this bad a season, a lot of it comes down to like goodwill, right? And I think people have a lot more goodwill for the defense can and they sort of see them as having been put in a tough situation by an offense that just can't seem to put up any scoring um and you know i think when it comes down to that you go like right well you know these are two guys that i like and that i think did their best and yeah again jj watt i think a, a deserving mvp award obviously echoed by the fact that it's like kind of his whole career and uh you know, Buda Baker just out there kind of becoming a bit of the face of the franchise, really. Do you know what I don't get, though? What's that? Like, how much... Like, the defensive players have got these awards, haven't they? Everyone voted for them. Yeah. But Vance Joseph is a terrible defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It just doesn't quite uh, add up sometimes. I mean, that's what people say. I don't, I don't believe he's a terrible defensive coordinator. But that's what the narrative is. But like we have guys like JJ Watt sweeping the board here. We have Buda Baker. You know, it, it's it's just I don't know, just twenty twenty two Cardinals, yeah. isn't it? I know. Yeah, I think um, trying to make sense out of it is just it's like trying to you know cut water in your hands. Really, it's like it's been such a a dreadful season, and I'm really looking forward to. Um, putting it all behind me but it was it was good fun i think going through some of these um bright spots i guess like giving giving out some awards to people who deserved it um looking back on on the season but i'm looking forward to never having to really think about just how bad this season was again except in maybe hopefully the context of next season being a lot better what season yeah exactly (laughs) can we just end it on what season yeah yeah, yeah, so we never have to literally talk about this one again. So <laughs> yeah. let's file our way along with every other bad season we've experienced, which is pretty much everyone since we've done the British breakdown breakdown. We're gonna need to build a bigger filing cabinet or something like that. Yeah. Maybe we're actually the curse, you know, since we started yeah. this podcast, the Cardinals haven't really done much. We're but starting to going away. Yeah, well I was gonna say we could start a Patreon for us not to do it. You know, people can pay us to not do it and not curse it. Nah, people won't do that. They have to pay more for the season tickets next year. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Bid will have to get that money back somehow from you know yep. paying up like a million coaches and all that because of the mistakes and he pay, made. 
paying for Cliff Kingsbury's uh, Thailand holiday. Even though he's back now. He is back, yeah. I wonder if he's going to take a job somewhere. I mean, he's interviewed in a couple of places, hasn't he? Yeah. Houston, well, cert- Baltimore, certainly I think. Certainly won't be with the Cardinals anyway. I mean, yeah, we don't need to. We've got whatever that guy's name is, the bold one. Maybe just hired, uh, like, literally an hour ago. Even as a quarterback's coach, you know? It makes change it, Obviously, doesn't it? It's like news breaks while we're recording. Classic. Every time, regardless of when we do it. Um, and speaking of which, I guess we'll be back for a pre-draft episode um, in the weeks leading up to the draft, and hopefully we'll have a a bit more idea of what Monte uh, is going to be up to in the off-season by then. We'll have a bit more news and, and player movement and transfers and finalizations of who's retiring and who's not and all of that stuff. Um, so stay tuned, stay keep us in your feeds and subscribe to us, etc., yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got like we have the free agency as well. You know, we've got the draft coming up, and then you know, we can all take a whole long break and never think about football again till September ish. <laughs> Indeed, but yeah, we can never remember this season, whatever season we were just talking about. <laughs> Let's do so, our plugs and get out of here. Yeah. I was going to say it's a bit late now and dinner's ready, so let's go. So, as always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Beard Gang. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Beard Gang. And join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Beard Gang. Buy British Beard Gang merch at britishbeardgang.tml.com. And, of course, if you like to listen to on the podcast, and leave us a review wherever it is you get your podcast from. You know, give us more ratings than you did at the Cardinals 2022 season, at least. You know, we're worth more than that, at least. We've got 109 ratings for the season. You know, you can you can give us a, a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Yeah, I mean, it only takes a few minutes. Yeah, I'm sure you've got a few minutes. You know, you've just listened to however long this podcast ends up being, an hour and a half, maybe longer. We'll see. But... As always, you know, thanks for sticking to us with us this season. You know, it's not been great, but the podcast's been great, as always. So As always, yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next season for hopefully a much better season for the Cardinals, at least. Yep, and we'll see you uh, for our pre-draft episode uh, sometime soon. Yeah, until then, thanks for listening, and goodbye. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.